You're listening to Give Me the Bible with Len. Today's program is entitled Parking. Hello my radio friends. I'm really glad you've joined me today for another Give Me the Bible program and to understand more about life from God's perspective as revealed in His Holy Word, the Bible. Have you any idea of how many registered motor vehicles there are in Australia? Well, according to official statistics, it's approximately 19.2 million. That's about three motor vehicles for every four people, including all the elderly and children. In our household, we have three registered motor vehicles for two people. And in case you're interested, 4.5% of that 19.2 million are motorcycles. Now for another question. Which city in Australia is the most expensive for parking? <laughs> no, it's not Nungicompeter. It's Brisbane. Now question three. Which is the worst state for motor vehicle thefts? No, it's not Queensland. It's Victoria. Nearly 53,000 vehicles were stolen in Australia in 2017. And that equates to one vehicle stolen every 10 minutes. One in five, that's 20% of cars are never recovered and 53% of motorcycles were never recovered and Victoria has the most thefts with 29% of all the thefts in Australia according to 2017 statistics. Holden Commodores were the top targets with over 4,000 Commodores stolen in 2017. And motor vehicle theft costs Australia $880 million a year, or $6,000 for each vehicle. Perhaps that'll help you understand why motor vehicle insurance is so high. My wife and I usually do a world trip each three years, mainly because our second son lives in the United States and we have friends and relatives in North America and in Europe. We've been amazed, especially in some of the European cities, where most people seem to park on the streets. Few have carports or garages. Some streets are so lined with parked cars after working hours that there is so little room left that it is just possible to drive a small car down those streets. And bad luck if anyone's coming from the other way. In some places, 
like New York and Chicago, the cost of driving around to find a parking spot can be more than 50% of the actual parking fees. So, where does one park? The best place to park is where your vehicle is protected from the elements and is in a private space and preferably behind locked doors or gates. Your vehicle is much more vulnerable to damage or theft in a public parking place like a shopping car park or on the street. Now, all this is very interesting, but you may be wondering what it has to do with the Bible. Does the Bible mention cars? Well, surprisingly, it seems to. The small book of Nahum in the Old Testament records part of a vision given to the Old Testament prophet Nahum. In Nahum chapter 2 and verses 3 and 4, this is what's recorded. The shield of his mighty men is made red. The valiant men are scarlet. The chariots shall be with flaming torches in the day of his preparation, and the fir trees shall be terribly shaken. The chariots shall rage in the streets. They shall jostle against one another in the broad ways. They shall seem like torches. They shall run like lightning. <laughs> This sounds like a pretty good description of traffic on the roads in both day and night. We need to remember that when Nahum was given this vision, there was nothing that even looked like a car, so the prophet used imagery that had meaning to him to describe what he saw. Chariots with flaming torches jostling for position on broadways, which would be roads, and moving very swiftly, sounds just like cars. But what I really want to talk to you today is about parking. You've probably heard it said, everyone is on a life journey. I accept that statement as true. For most of us, we try to follow a course, although there are always unexpected twists and turns, the surprises and the disappointments, the successes and the failures, the securities and the insecurities. If life is a journey, there will inevitably be a need for parking. Now, all this information I shared with you in the beginning of today's program has a spiritual application. The question is, what is your parking place? Some people are always on the go, always busy, always filling in any empty spots in their lives with activity. They always seem to have something to do or somewhere they must be or something that must be attended to. They're so full of activity it seems as if they're afraid to have any quiet time in their lives. 
And I've met people like that. Many work hard during their working lives, saving money for their retirement, putting off simple pleasures in order to enjoy life when they retire. And do you know what often happens when they retire? Many of these kinds of people are so worn out, so sick, so unused to taking time out, that they cannot enjoy the years they had so hoped to enjoy. They never had any parking place in their lives. They are like those who spend all their time driving around but never stop. In Psalm 46.10 is a short statement that says this, Be still and know that I am God. I believe human beings need moments of time to stop to admire the roses, to touch and feel things in nature, to look up and behold the stars, to rest without feeling guilty, to paddle in the water and allow themselves a parking place in their lives. It's my opinion that the enemy of souls, the devil, tries extremely hard to fill people's lives with activity that they have no time to stop and realise that there is a beautiful God who loves them. Others, it seems, try to find satisfaction in places that do not give satisfaction, where there is no peace. One might put it this way, their parking places are unsafe. Some try to find enjoyment in life in pleasure, in drinking or drugs. Others seek satisfaction in sex, pornography, sport, hard work, influence or wealth. Yet that does not bring about the desired outcome either. Recorded in the book of Ecclesiastes is an experiment King Solomon tried out on himself. He was wise, rich and powerful, so there were no barriers to him successfully carrying out this experiment. He wanted to find out what brings about satisfaction. In chapter 2 it's recorded that he tried out pleasure, wine, great works, wealth, music, the seeking of knowledge, and sex. In Ecclesiastes chapter 2 and verse 24, he concluded that this is all meaningless, a chasing after the wind. And in chapter 2, verses 17 and 18, Solomon, the wise man, the one who did the experiment, had this to say, So I hated life, because the work that is done under the sun was grievous to me. All of it is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. I hated all the things I had toiled for under the sun, because I must leave them to the one who comes after me. So then, 
Is there anything that brings about peace, fulfilment and satisfaction in life? Is there a safe parking place for you? The answer is yes. And if you found and if you found yourself feeling dissatisfied and unfulfilled in your life, I suggest you listen carefully to what you're about to hear now. The only real satisfaction in life is found as we link our lives with our Creator God. Jesus was not telling a lie when he announced in John 16:33, "I've told you these things so that you might have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world." And added to that, he said, as recorded in John 14:27, "Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you." I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. Were these words of Jesus true? Well, history records what has happened in the lives of millions of people who chose to accept Christ's sacrifice for them, and what happened when they experienced terrible trouble in their lives. With calmness and with certainty, they accepted persecution, death, sickness, poverty, isolation, bodily mutilation, and imprisonment, because they knew that the promises of God regarding their future destiny were true. During that terrible time in Earth's history, during the Dark and Middle Ages. When innocent, upright, decent, faithful, godly people were murdered simply because they believed in God's word, they went to their deaths with peace and sometimes even joy, because they knew that by being faithful, they would receive eternal life. You see, God does not make promises. He does not intend to keep. We're going to have a little break here, and we'll go on straight afterwards. I'm sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despair and cry. From the waters lifted me, and now safe am I. Love lifted me, love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me, love lifted me. Love lifted me when nothing else could help. Love lifted me. All my heart to Him I give, ever to Him I'll cling. In His blessed presence live, ever His praises sing. 
Love so mighty and so true Marriage my soul's best songs Faithful loving service to To Him belongs Love lifted me Love lifted me When nothing else could help Love lifted me Love lifted me Love lifted me When nothing else could help Love lifted me Love lifted me Love lifted me When nothing else could help Love lifted me Love lifted me Love lifted me When nothing else could help Love lifted me Just before the break, I was mentioning the fact that Jesus promised to give his peace to those who accept him. I also mentioned to you that God does not make promises he doesn't intend to keep. What God has promised is that there will be trouble in our lives, but by belonging to him, we have that expectation based on his word that a much, much better existence will be given to us. Is that worth waiting for? You bet. It's my opinion that Satan uses all sorts of diversions to try to convince people that if they have this or that or do this or that, it'll bring about satisfaction. But you know, it doesn't work. It reminds me of the health industry. Drug researchers and manufacturers spend millions of dollars and incidentally make multi-millions of dollars developing and selling new drugs that will improve certain medical conditions. Take this for example. Here in Australia there are over, there are over 2 million people suffering from diabetes. Why do those people get diabetes? In most cases, diabetes is a lifestyle disease caused by an improper diet and lifestyle. How can someone prevent getting diabetes? The answer is simple, by having a proper diet and sufficient regular exercise. Basically the same can be said for cancer, obesity, heart disease, atherosclerosis and so many other conditions. Developing more drugs is not the answer. What is the answer is that if people eat a proper diet and have sufficient exercise, they're not likely to get those life desi uh, lifestyle diseases in the first place. Spiritually, we can chase after diversions like King Solomon did to seek peace and happiness, while all the time the answer to finding the right parking place for our lives is quite evident. 
What is that parking place? It is to accept and to commit to Jesus, the one who came to earth to give us peace, hope and joy, and a satisfaction that is not understood by the world, nor can be found in the world. In other words, the committed Christian will have an assurance and peace in his life that Joe Blow and Mary Smith just cannot understand. Did you notice that just before I said a committed Christian? At the end of the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon, the one who applied the psychological experiment to himself, concluded this. He said, Now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. In the sense of today's theme, what he said amounts to is, make Jesus your parking place and do what he says. That's all that's needed. In the book of Matthew, chapter 7, verses 24 to 27, is an analogy similar to what I've been sharing with you today about a parking place. This, however, is about foundations. Here are the words of Jesus. He said, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a man who built his house on a rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on a rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rains descended, the floods came, the winds blew, and beat on that house, and it fell. And great was its fall. The people who were listening to Jesus saying that were astonished at his teaching. This was something they had not heard before. And what Jesus said made a lot of sense to them. If your parking place, or to use this Jesus simile, your foundation, is based on hearing what God says and, in, and acting on it by obeying him, you will have made the best choice. The result will be stability and ultimately eternal happiness. On the other hand, if you choose to base your life on human philosophy or your own selfishness, ultimately your fate will be eternal destruction. The story is told of a wealthy man who employed his brother-in-law to build him a house. He explained that he and his family intended to travel to Europe for the summer. While there he wanted this dream house built brother-in-law, the builder, agreed and set to work. As the building progressed, he decided to cut corners here and there by using inferior materials wherever he could and cover them up. After all, the rich man would never know the difference. In time, the summer ended and the house was completed. The wealthy man returned home. 
Immediately he was taken out to the building site to look over the new house. After examining it carefully and admiring its elegance at some length, he said to the builder, I tell you, it's lovely. In fact, you've done such a marvellous job that I'm just going to give it to you. You can imagine the dejected feeling of the brother-in-law, for he knew that inferior workmanship, as well as inferior materials, had gone into the house. So in conclusion, I want to share with you four ingredients about the best parking place in your life. Number one is to have a strong trust in God. Unless the gospel message by faith permeates our hearts, it'll be of no benefit to us. Number two is to be honest. The third thing is to build your life on moral purity. That involves knowing what God has explained about how we should live and by doing it. And the fourth thing is to live with the knowledge that you have committed your life to Jesus, the one who came to save you. Living in him is a safe and, in my opinion, the only worthy parking place. So now I want to challenge you. What's your parking place? As for me, I have committed my life to the Lord, and despite whatever may happen to me, I know that I am safe because the promises of God are sure and certain. I have chosen to accept and continue my life serving and honouring God. And even if I die before Jesus comes, I, based on his promises, will be given eternal life. Is that worth aiming for? Oh yes, yes, yes. I hope this too will be your aim in life, your parking place. When Jesus comes again and takes his faithful people back to heaven with him, I hope you're there as one of that number. Until next time then, my friends, I wish you God's blessings as you seek to find the best, the safest, the most rewarding parking place for your life. Clear the t-